You're listening to the Bonfire Podcast, fanning the flames of the gospel to the ends of the world. Come on, let's dive into the Word. Well, welcome into the Bonfire Podcast, everyone. We're so glad that you're joining us again this week for this episode. Um, this episode that you're tuning in today, we're going to be addressing a very heavy topic, Dad. Uh, we're going to be talking about the reality of hell. Mm-hmm. Um, and many of you may have the question, um, as we've been going through kind of this uh, mini-series, if you will, on questions for the Bye. last couple of weeks, is what is hell and is hell real? And so we're really going to be addressing the reality of hell uh, this week on our podcast. And and so I'm so glad that you're here, so glad that you found us. If you're a first-time listener, we want to say thank you for stopping in to listen, and we would encourage you uh, to stay in and, and listen to what we have to say. And if you like it, you can feel free to subscribe, and you can like and and follow us on all the different platforms. Uh, we would love to have uh, you as a, as a routine downloader and listener. And for those of you who have been listening for quite some time, uh, we really appreciate your support. Support, and uh, we hope that this is continuing to benefit you and helping you grow in your spiritual walk um, as we uh, produce this content each and every week. Well, Dad, as we uh, get ready to address the the topic of hell, again, as this is going to be a, a very uh, tough topic uh, to address because um, it's it's a fairly un, unpopular topic. Um, the the uh, thoughts of hell has kind of fallen by the wayside in society. Um, it's even I've noticed that it's a kind of fallen by the wayside in in the church in and of itself. Um, you know, at one point in time in our our history, our, our pulpits used to ring out um, about um, a real place called hell and, and notifying people of that and, and trying to prevent them from going there. But in so many cases, our pulpits have grown quiet about that, and um, it hasn't been uh, pushed as much. And and then from just an overall corporate standpoint, I've noticed that there's been this uh, overall effort to try and downplay the fact that hell is a real place. That's right. You know, and 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 this is both in the secular world and in in the the Christian world. In the Christian mm-hmm. world, many of our listeners will find it interesting that I have noticed that there are now you know there's probably uh, 150 different translations of of the Bible that we, we use, right? Mm-hmm. And um, in modern translations, what you're finding is that those translations have completely removed uh, any sense of the word of hell or Hades or any of its other counterparts. They've completely edited it out. You know what that is? That's not a translation. That's an altercation. That's an altercation. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so uh, we're seeing that happen. And then uh, from a, a secular point of view, I found it interesting that, you know, in the, the height of the pandemic several months ago, um, I believe all people uh, across the world uh, really had to kind of uh, put their immortality mm-hmm. uh, or mortality rather um, kind of in perspective that there was this a virus that was running rampant and it was uh, suspected to kill millions upon millions of people. And uh, thankfully, you know, the viruses has spread and it has killed uh, people, but obviously it hasn't killed as many as what was first thought and, and may not be quite as dangerous as what we first thought. And that's, that's great, but it's still a real thing. I found it interesting as I was preparing for what we were going to talk about today, Dad, that there, um, I missed it. I don't know how I missed it because apparently he was everywhere. There's a UNC, mm-hmm. that's the University of North Carolina, uh, here in the United States, a professor. His name is Bart uh, Ehrman, and uh, he went on a media 
blitz um, mm-hmm. all across the major media outlets. So mm-hmm. this would be your ABCs, your NBCs, your CBSs. Mm-hmm. Um, he was on NPR. Um, he was on a lot of the the podcasts and the talk radios. Mm-hmm. And his message was that there is no hell. Yeah. And he was there and he was brought there to assure the masses that, you know what? Yes, you may die, but you don't need to worry. There's no such thing as hell. Yeah, I'm sure he doesn't believe in God either. And the Bible says that the person that says there's no God is a fool. So why would you want to listen to a fool? Exactly. And I just found it interesting that that these these media's outlets were propping him up, and they wanted him to say that. They wanted him to to reassure the masses that there was no hell. And unfortunately, there couldn't be anything further from the truth. There is a real hell. That's right. If there was Um, no hell, there would be no cross. That's right. Because God loved his only begotten son and sent him down here, and he took that that brutal whipping and the nails and the crown of thorns and the 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 jab of the spear went through all of that. It was hell on earth, and he experienced that. He was paying the penalty for our sin. So if there was no hell, then he would have not sent his son Jesus to the cross. I'd like to see how the the professor answers that. Mm, yes, and at the same time as the professor was uh, proponing uh, that there was no hell, he was of course saying there was a heaven, right? Uh-huh. And he, he said yeah. that you know the heaven is a place where good people go. Yeah. And then um, for those who are not good people, they just they just go to sleep. And, uh, yeah. And and so basically, you don't need to worry about it. If you're a good person, well, great. Uh, there's going to be a, a paradise afterwards. If you're not a good person, don't worry about that. Uh, you're just going to go to sleep is mm. basically what he was was proclaiming. And I, I just found that uh, telling that that made it to all these national media yeah. uh, outlets. Um, and that's one of the reasons why we're doing the Bonfire Podcast, because I get really frustrated by what's able to hit mainstream media, the people that get platforms to talk yeah. when uh, the other side of the view is not ever presented. And that's why one of the reasons why we're here doing this is trying to get mass media out to as many people as we can to understand um, an alternate viewpoint, a Christian world viewpoint mm-hmm. on things. Oh, think about it. If there was no hell, Adolf Hitler gets off easy. Yeah. All he does is go to sleep. Yeah. And uh, Bill Graham goes to heaven, but the man that was responsible for the murder of six million Jews and a war that killed hundreds of thousands of people, oh, he gets off scot-free. He just goes to sleep. There's no sense of justice in that, and our God is a just God. Mm, that's true. And, you know, Dad, I was looking at the Pew Research uh, Center. They actually did a study back in 2014, Mm -hmm. and they uh, asked um, in their survey question, um, do you believe in heaven? Mm -hmm. And then also, do you believe in hell? Right. And the way that they do their their research is they're able to scale that up, and they say that at a population level, Mm -hmm. uh, there is a statistic. And so what they came up with is they say that 78% of Americans believe in heaven. Mm-hmm. They believe that to be real, while only 58% of Americans believe in hell. And I found that mm-hmm. to be surprising, again, because right. you know there's just this hard uh, rationalization that hell is a real place for people. Mm-hmm. And it's something that, um, as we go through our podcast today, what I hope people will understand is that hell is a real place. Hell is a, is a terrible place. It's a sad place. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a sad um, uh, endpoint for uh, millions of people who are going to land there. That's and, exactly right. Um, we don't want people to go there, and so we want to make sure that they know that there's a way around it. Mm-hmm. You know, people find it hard to embrace the idea of hell as a real place for those who willingly re- reject God's standards. You know, they, they think that because we as humans find the idea of a conscious perpetual punishment repulsive, that it must mean that God does not plan to subject anyone to such faith. 
Right. You know, and, and as we learned, and they say, well, you know, in the Blessed Assurance podcast, you, you talked about that uh, back there in First John 4, 8, you said God is love. Mm-hmm. And if God is love, how can God send someone to a place of eternal punishment? Mm-hmm. They they go on to, to think to themselves, so maybe, you know, the, this Bible language suggesting the reality of hell, it must just be a metaphor. Mm-hmm. Uh, it must not be literal. Mm-hmm. But there is error in such reasoning. You know, we don't think as God thinks. Mm-hmm. His thoughts are beyond ours thoughts, and mm-hmm. his ways are beyond our ways. And consequently, Dad, as you pointed out, um, he is not only more merciful than we are, but he is more just. That's right. You know, one thing that stands out to me is uh, the fact that uh, you don't go to hell because of Adultery. You don't go to hell, even though the people in hell did those kind of things. You don't go to hell because of of robbery and theft. Of all kind of people are, that are in heaven uh, committed those sins. The people that are in heaven, different from the ones that's in hell, are the ones that put their faith in Jesus, who died to pay the penalty for our sins. So, if you end up going to hell, it won't be because of God, because He did everything possible to make it possible for you to be saved and sending His Son Jesus. And if you go to hell, what you have actually done is you have walked over and trampled on the blood of Christ. Mm, that's very true, Dad. And I think it was a couple of weeks ago. You were, I think you were. It was in one of your sermons. You were preaching. And you made mention that hell was not actually created for human beings, right? right? That's right. You know, hell hell is a place that was ultimately set up to cast out uh, the devil and the demons That's right. uh, that run with him. Mm-hmm. And it was because of the fall of man and sin entering into our life mm-hmm. that put us in a position where, as a just God, a just God has to deal with it. That's right. He can't just turn his eye to it. So it's it's either you accept and you come in the way of, of following Jesus Christ and accepting uh, him as, as and what he did on the cross for you, or you're, you're rejecting it. And by rejecting it, you ultimately put yourself in the position of being punished right. in hell and in a place that wasn't even created for you, but that's where you end up going. That's right. You know, even as human beings, be mad at the court. The court demands justice. You get arrested for something, you're going to come for the judge. He is going to demand justice. And think about it. God is over these human judges. He is the judge of the universe. What kind of God would he be if he didn't demand justice? What about that person that that murders a precious little uh, college age girl and just mutilates her body and is hateful and vengeful and spits in the face of her parents. You know, those parents, you know, naturally, even they were Christians, they'd want to forgive him, I'm sure. But let me tell you something, that man does not repent. He's going to get justice. And what kind of God would God be if he didn't grant justice? Mm, That's a good point. And, you know, I think that should resonate with everyone who's listening, because at a human level, we all want justice, right? When Mm -hmm. when we see bad things happen, uh, we want justice to be played out in in our own legal system. I mean, you turn on the TV right now, and I don't care which side of the aisle you're on on this argument, but that's why people... People are screaming, no justice, no peace, right? Because mm-hmm. they want justice. They want uh, justice. That's something that they want. But they fail to see that there's also got to be justice in their life and eternity. Right. But if you come before God in your sinful state and you ask him to forgive you and you accept the precious Lord Jesus as your Savior and Lord, he won't give you justice. He'll give you mercy. Mm. You know, Dad, the other thing I found interesting and is this UNC professor, um, and he is a religious uh, professor. He, he's over in the theology department of oh, UNC, yeah. which I, mm-hmm. I would not say that's anywhere you go to really study theology. But one of the things that surprised me is his argument was that the Bible doesn't mention that there's a hell. Oh, my goodness. 
That's crazy. It, it, it is crazy. And, and, and what I would like to tell our listeners is many of you who are listening, you believe in heaven. And if you believe in heaven, I want you to really think about this. The Bible has a lot more to say about hell than it does heaven. That's right. And Jesus spoke more about hell than anybody else in the Bible. He spoke more about hell. It's a very real place. And if you can believe what Jesus said about heaven, but yet the same Jesus that talks about eternal punishment, you don't believe that, then you just don't believe Jesus. Mm. Now, Dad, you were telling me before we got started that you had done, you know, obviously some studying and, and looking at the, the terms for hell and, and mm. what it's used in the Bible. Could you yeah. go ahead and help our listeners as we get into this, understand what you, you came across and what you want them to understand? Right. Well, we're going to look at the terms given in the Scripture for hell. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word sheol is translated hell 31 times and pit three times. However, it's also translated grave 31 times. The word sheol basically refers to the place of the departed dead or the place where disembodied spirits go. And all people were said to go to sheol after death during the Old Testament time period. However, not everyone that went to sheol was believed to experience the same thing or to be in the same condition. In the New Testament, there are several terms translated hell. Now, one One such term is the Greek word Hades. Now, the word Hades is translated hell 11 times in the New Testament. Hades, like Sheol, its Hebrew equivalent, refers to the place where disembodied spirits go after death. Except in the New Testament, the word Hades refers primarily to the place where the wicked go after death and are punished. Now, in the story before us that we're going to read in just a little bit about Lazarus and the rich man, which Jesus told about, the rich man dies and goes to Hades where he is presented as suffering, while Lazarus, who was a beggar on earth, he dies and he goes to paradise and there is comforted. Now, the word paradise is mentioned again in the account of the crucifixion of Jesus. If you remember, Jesus said to the thief next to him on the cross that repented and turned from his sins, he said, today you will be with me in paradise. Paradise being a place of comfort where people go after death who are saved and serve God. Another turn in term in the scripture, besides Sheol and Hades, translated hell, is the Greek word Gehenna. Now, this word appears 12 times in the New Testament, and people say that the Bible doesn't talk about hell. It occurs 12 times in the New Testament, and the Lord Jesus used this term 11 times. The name is probably related to the valley of Hinnom, south of Jerusalem, where trash fires burned and where ancient human sacrifices were performed. Jesus used this word to describe the eternal state of the lost after the resurrection because it will be a place of of filth, stench, a place of smoke, a place of pain, a place of fire, and a place of death. It is important to note that when Jesus is presented as speaking of the present-day hell, the Greek word is the Greek word Hades. And when he is presented as speaking of the eternal state of the lost after the resurrection to be judged, he uses the Greek word Gehenna. Now today, when unsaved people die, they go to hell, but the hell they go to is Hades. And it is in Hades that they stay until after the saints and and after they're resurrected and the great white throne judgment takes place. You see, God's going to raise those out of of Hades to come and stand before God at the great white throne judgment. At the great white throne judgment, hell or Hades is emptied. And then every lost man, woman, boy, or girl stands before the Lord Jesus to be judged. 
And then they're turned over into the lake of fire, which John uses as a synonym to describe Gehenna. So Hades is the term in Scripture that is used to speak of the temporal state of the lost after death. And Gehenna is the term used of the eternal state of the lost. The difference between the two places of suffering is kind of like that of the county jail to the state penitentiary. Well, now that's a great background that you gave us here on the the terms that are used for hell, and and so right there off the bat, we're already confronting the the kind of the the first uh, lie that we've been approached with is that the Bible doesn't speak on hell. It certainly does, and uh, as we said, it speaks more on on hell than it does on heaven. And so, if you believe in heaven, you have to also believe in the in- eternal punishment. Uh, for those who reject God's will. But for the truth on, on hell, you know, Dad, I think what we must do is we must really pray for discernment and understanding and then turn to God's will and submit to it. Mm-hmm. And so well, that's what I'd like for us to do today. I'd like for us to, to turn, uh, if you got your Bible, turn over to Luke. We're going to be in chapter 16, and we're going to be looking at verses 19 through 31. And uh, we're going to use uh, this this story, uh, this parable uh, that uh, that Jesus spoke. And, and you'll notice that these words are written in Read if you have a red letter edition Bible, and so this means that these are the words of Jesus who is speaking of this. And so, for anyone to say that this isn't in the Bible, well, we're looking right here at uh, Jesus's words uh, together. And so, um, we're going to be looking again, nineteen through thirty-one. I'm going to go ahead and just read this entire story, um, and then we're going to dive in and kind of break it apart and begin to look at some, what we learn about hell uh, through this text. And so, mm-hmm. verse nineteen uh, reads. And there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linens and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came, and they licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torment in Hades, he lifted up his eyes, and he saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he might dip his, the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things, and likewise Lazarus received evil things. But now uh, he is comforted, and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there to us pass." Then he said, I beg of you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that that he may testify to them, lest they come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent." But he said to them, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded by one who was raised from the dead. That's right. And so, Dad, just a, you know, a sad story, um, but yet a perfect story to really talk about what we're going to be talking about today. And mm-hmm. as I was preparing, I, I really have 
um, you know, four main points that I want to get across to our listeners and and uh, that I feel like God's laid on my heart. And we're going to just take these right from the Scripture here and talk about them. And the, the first that I see uh, when we look at the what we learn about hell, what we learn about, in this case, Hades, uh, which, again, uh, you, you did such a great job explaining what Hades is, we learn that hell is a place of sensation and suffering. Mm-hmm. And I want us to look just again, look, let's look at verse 23 and verses 24, and, and that really draws us out. And it says, And being in torment in Hades, he lift up his eyes, and he saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented mm-hmm. in this flame. So, Dad, again, the first point I have here is that this is a place of sensation and suffering. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think many people who are out there believe uh, maybe what this UNC professor believes, that uh, when they draw their last breath and, and they just go into a deep sleep or they enter into outer darkness and they have no conscious awareness of where they are, are. Mm-hmm. Well, this story that was told again by Jesus Himself is in stark contrast to that. You mm-hmm. know, when we draw our last breath, while our physical body may not be there, mm-hmm. there is definitely our spirit and our consciousness is intact. Mm-hmm. It says that He lifted up His eyes; He could see, so His senses were there. He could He could see, He could feel. He said He was tormented. He obviously felt the the heat and the flames that were that he was in and obviously he was thirsty because he wanted someone to come and to to quench his thirst and so it is a place of sensation and then again suffering what's described here is uh nothing that anyone would want to experience mm. you, know, uh, you know Matt I was going to tell you this too you picture the suffering of Jesus just before he went to the cross that that brutal beating where his back was laid to shreds had to carry his cross and beaten, had his beard plucked out, the crown of thorns jabbed on him, the spear jammed in his side, can't breathe on that cross, having to push himself up to gasp for breath. If you want to know about the suffering of hell, just look at the crucifixion. That's going to be the suffering of hell. Mm, yeah, many say that uh, Jesus experienced hell on earth That's right. Um, at that point in time as, as, as he was suffering. And so, you know, for those of you out here that still are a little bit skeptical at this point and say, well, I think this is still metaphorical and it, it stands for something something else at the very least you have to recognize whatever this is explaining it's not good no it can't be good it, it can't be something if this is not exactly word for word what happens this is not something that anyone uh, should want to experience or think that they're going to go here because their family goes here and they're going to party and live it up mm. it is a place of sensation and it is a place of suffering uh, where uh, there is agony and as as this rich man said it's torment. That's right, torment. He said, I am tormented in these flames. Uh, Dr. Maurice Rollins, he is a cardiologist. I don't know if Dr. Rollins is still living today. I read his book a number of years ago. He he had the credentials. Now, listen, you think about the UNC professor. Mm. This man had the credentials for being the uh, personal physician for the Joint Chief of Staff at the Pentagon. And he he did all kind of procedures on people. And he tells about it in his book. He started uh, recording some of the words that some of these people uh, said after they died. And he knew they were literally dead. He's a cardiologist. They were dead. And then they were resuscitated and come back to life. And he said, many people that come back to life, they tell horrible stories of the place they were at. 
horrible stories. I told I told you, Matt, the other day I was pastoring in Lexington, North Carolina, and there's a guy that was giving me a lot of trouble up there. And he and his other friend that gave me a lot of trouble, both of them at the same time, ended up in the heart center, one in Winston-Salem, one in Lexington Hospital. Isn't it interesting? You know, they had a heart problem, physical heart, but their real problem was their spiritual heart. And uh, so I went, you know, I knew the man didn't like me, but I mustered up strength. I was his pastor. I went to visit him, and he he told me, just with uh, almost shock in his eyes in front of his wife and others in the room, he said, I died. And he said, I left my body, and I went to a place uh, that was like foggy and dark. It was like I was at a, a railroad crossing, and I looked for God, and I couldn't find him. And I told that guy, I said, listen, God's trying to talk to you, and you need to get right with God. You know, I talked to a fellow one time. Hell's also a place of blackness. I went and visited a fellow with a, a guy named Ray Heiner. It was my good visitation party in Lexington. We went up on the porch. There's a lot of people sitting on the porch. Everybody could tell I was a preacher. And uh, they they got out of Dodge, boy, except for one brave man to sit up there on the porch. And so we went up there and engaged in pleasant conversation with a guy. And I started telling him about Jesus. And uh, the fella told me right away, he said, I died just a short while ago. I said, you got to be kidding. You died. And of course, obviously, he was alive. He'd gotten resuscitated. He said, yeah. I said, well, tell me what happened to you. He said, I went into a place of darkness, a place of darkness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's that's terrible to think about that these people have what they've experienced, and and I guess it's a blessing that they've been given a second mm-hmm. opportunity, right? To right uh, to to come back from that, and so it's a place of sensation, it's a place of suffering. Um, you know, it's just a place of agony. Uh, the Bible talks about over, you know, in Revelations uh, chapter twenty, verse fourteen, about how it's an everlasting flame, how it never goes out. Um, you know, when you flip over to to Matthew and Mark, you'll see where uh, it's referencing the Old Testament, where it talks about the worm never dies. Right. You know, it's it's just a place that it's hard to 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 imagine uh, or to describe to you guys uh, just how. Uh, painful of an experience uh, hell could be. That's right. You know, I hear some people say, well, I it's just don't believe that. Uh, you say that the Bible is a place of fire, but it's a place of darkness. Uh, they can't reconcile that. Well, let me uh, let you uh, scholars out there think about this. Even the professor at North Carolina, he knows the story about Moses and how God spoke to him through a burning bush. The bush was on fire, but the bush was not consumed. God mm. can do whatever God wants to do. It is a place of darkness. I don't know if I'm speaking to any any people that work for the fire department. Yeah, there can be flames in that house, but the darkness and from the smoke is uh, so strong, you can't hardly even see to walk, even though there's fire in the place. Mm, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I'm sure many of our firefighters who are listening can, can attest that. One of the darkest places you can be is a house that's on fire, even though there's mm-hmm. flames all around you. You think you'd be able to see, but it's, it's a very dark place mm-hmm. um, to be around. So again, a place of sensation and suffering. That was that first point that I wanted to make sure everyone got across. Um, and then the second one is we see that this is a place of separation. Mm-hmm place of separation. And I want us to look at verses 25 and 26 here. Um, and uh, we'll pull that, those two verses out just to, to, to represent this. It says, verse 25, um, uh, says, but Abraham said, son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things and likewise Lazarus received evil things, but now, mm-hmm. uh, he is comforted and you were tormented. And besides, uh, between us, uh, and you is a great gulf fixed, 
uh, so that those who want to pass uh, cannot, uh, and they can't go from us to you or you to, you to us, is basically what he's saying there. Mm-hmm. And so I, I use this verse to represent this hell is a place of separation. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a place where, again, this is no partying going on in hell. Mm-hmm. There's no good times and living it up and drinking it up and, and doing all those uh, ungodly things that you, you think that you're going to get to do down in hell. It is a place of separation. You're going to be separated um, from your friends, your family. Uh, because some of those friends and some of those family that you have, they may actually be believers, and they're going to be over in, in, in heaven and in paradise, and uh, you're going to be separated from them for, for eternity. Mm-hmm. And then you're also going to be separated from from God. Mm-hmm. And that's probably uh, one of the, the most um, hard things to, to imagine here, Dad. And um, I wanted to, to flip over and look at Second Thessalonians uh, chapter 1, verse 9, it says these, and, and these is referring to those who disobey uh, the, gobble, uh, the gospel, uh, those who have decided not to accept Jesus Christ. They shall be punished in everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. And so uh, hell is a place of separation. It's a separation uh, from uh, friends. It's a separation from family. But most importantly, it's a separation from God and his glory. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're going to be cast into outer darkness, into eternal flame where there's uh, suffering and separation from God and his glory. That's right. You know, hell is referred to in the book of Revelation as the second death. And of course, the biblical idea of death is separation. Part of the torment and misery in hell will be the great gulf that separates men from their maker. Yeah. And then the third thing, Dad, that I saw that uh, is important to get across in, in this scripture about hell is uh, hell is a place of sorrow. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we look at verses 27 and, and 28, uh, we, we can begin to kind of pull that apart. It says, Then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you send him, him being Lazarus, mm-hmm. to my father's house, for I have five brothers, uh, that, they may te- that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Um, so that's verse 27 and verse 28. And so it, what I see here is is this rich man, he is now realized that the decisions he's made in his life, his um, his decision to reject the things of God has landed him in this place of torment, and he is sorrowful for it. He is regretting the decision that he made to reject God, mm-hmm. and he is desperate uh, to send Lazarus so that he, they can, he can tell his brothers and his family that they don't want to come to this place. Right. And I, can, I can't just imagine how many people um, are in hell today because they may have went to a revival service, they may have went to a church service, they may have went to a youth um, retreat, and they felt uh, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit and, and God knocking on their heart and saying, I, I want to come inside. And they rejected God. Mm-hmm. And they weren't given an o- another opportunity to do so because they walked out of that meeting and they were killed in a car accident or they they went um, and, and they uh, never felt that feeling again. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine the number of people that are in hell even today mm-hmm. that wish like anything they just had one more chance mm-hmm. uh, to change the decision that they make, to do something different, to accept that feeling that they had and to, to believe in Jesus Christ. And for all of eternity, they're going to be weeping and wailing and the gnashing of teeth is what it says in, mm-hmm. in Matthew twenty two thirteen when it, when Jesus describes hell again. It is a place of sorrow. Mm-hmm. You know, in verse 31 of, of Luke chapter 16, um, Abraham said to 
uh, this man that was in hell, he said, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded through the one rise from the dead. In other words, they had their opportunity. Uh, Moses and the prophets spoke clearly to them about uh, about death and separation from God, and they refused to listen to Moses and the prophets that were sent to to awaken their conscience that the Holy Spirit used to speak to them. And so, so this uh, Abraham he said, "Look, if they won't believe them, they're not going to believe someone that, that come back from the dead." Jesus came back from the dead, and a lot of people don't believe him. He came back from the dead. Mm. You know, Dad, as we were talking and I was thinking about this point of, of, of hell being a sorrowful place, um, uh, a story came to my mind. And uh, there was a great uh, evangelist, a great pastor. His name was J. Harold Smith. Mm-hmm. And uh, those of uh, who are listening, at least from the, the South Carolina, Carolina areas, probably are very familiar with, with J. Harold Smith. And uh, J. Harold had a famous sermon that was called God's Three Deadlines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think he preached that sermon uh, probably hundreds of times, and mm-hmm. and thousands of people uh, heard that sermon and responded and accepted Jesus Christ right. as, as their Lord and Savior. But in inside that uh, sermon, he told a story. And when I was back uh, listening to that, that sermon, I've listened to it several times now, um, that story resonated so much, and I want to share it with our listeners uh, today. And um, J. Harold Smith said that he was he was preaching revival at uh, at this small church, and he had been there um, for several days, and it was now the last night of of that revival. And uh, he went to give the invitation, and and sitting over to the left hand side, there was a a family, and they had a a young daughter who was a, um, a high school student. She was actually the homecoming queen, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Jay Harold said that every night when he gave the invitation, he could see that God was moving in this in this girl, uh-huh. and uh, she just would not uh, respond. She mm-hmm. would not come forward. She would not um, respond. He would, you know, ask for anyone who needs prayer to raise their hand. Right. She'd raise her hand that she needed prayer and that she didn't know that she was saved. But when he asked for those who raised their hand to come forward, she she wouldn't come forward. Mm-hmm. And so this last night, uh, J. Harold Smith just felt compelled by God that he needed to go and he needed to talk to her. So while this invitation is going on, he goes over to the young lady and he says, young lady, I can't help but see that you were just tore up Mm -hmm. about your spiritual condition. Right. Won't you accept the love of Jesus and let's Mm -hmm. get this right right now? Yeah. And she said, no, J. Harold Smith. Mm -hmm. And he said, young lady, it's, it's, it's so so easy to accept what Jesus did for you. It's it's a free gift. It doesn't require really anything of you other than just to accept it. Right. Won't you do that today? Mm-hmm. And she said, no, J. Harold Smith, I'm not ready. And he said, are you sure? And she said, leave me alone. Mm. And with that, he backed away. Um, at, at that time, it was popular. You know, they had a meal after uh, the revival. So the, the pastor and, and J. Harold Smith, and they were eating at the pastor's house and uh, which was just in the parking lot, you know, there of the church in the mm. parsonage. And um, they hadn't been gone too long, and someone came beating on the door and said, you need to come quick. And uh, so the pastor and J. Harold Smith jumped in the car, and they, they went down the road. And uh, what had happened is this young family, uh, mom and a dad and the homecoming queen, were on their way home. They lived, you know, just a few miles down from the church. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, they were getting ready to turn um, into their driveway, and about that time, here comes someone doing over 100 miles an hour, uh, a drunk driver, 
who slams into their car mm-hmm. and uh, T-bones them. And their car flips end over end and rolls and rolls and rolls and rolls. Mm-hmm. And uh, ultimately, their, their car lands up against an embankment. And yeah. the mom and dad, they were able to, to get themselves out. And mm-hmm. uh, they were uh, obviously bruised and beaten and, and scratched and, and everything, but they were okay. Yeah. And uh, as they began to try and get their senses, they, they were trying to figure out where is their daughter? Yeah. Where is their daughter? And um, the the story that the... The dad says as he could hear uh, coming out of the car, his daughter saying, Daddy, Daddy, help me. Help me, Daddy, I'm hurt. Mm -hmm. And so the the man went over and he, you know, was pulling on the door, but the car was just so mangled and Mm -hmm. and so so much metal. And um, it just uh, was unable for him to to get out. And the, the girl continued to to say, Daddy, get me out, Daddy. Get Daddy, don't don't leave me in here. Get me out, Daddy. And uh, something like you'd see in a Hollywood movie, um, that old drunk person was smoking a cigarette and he threw a cigarette down and there was gas there around the wreckage and it caught the the gas on fire. And so now not only was this young lady stuck in a car um, that was, you know, mingled metal, she now was stuck in a car that was beginning to catch fire. Mm-hmm. And the smoke and the flames began to fill the car. And as they did, her screaming and got louder and louder, Daddy, get me out of here. Daddy, Daddy, get me out of here. Mm. And... Uh, the last words he heard his daughter say was, you know, Daddy, I, J. Harold Smith said, I was supposed to get saved tonight. I was supposed to accept Jesus. I'm not ready to meet God. That's the last words that he heard him say. And, Man. you know, I can't help but think that um, that young lady is in hell today. Yeah. And um, she's awful. she's in a place of uh, separation and suffering. She's in a place of, of uh, eternal separation from God, and she's in a place— of sorrow, and and I I can guarantee you, if we could go to hell and find that young mm-hmm. lady, she would give anything to have the opportunity over uh, to to make a different decision. And she would also be like this probably rich man, and she would probably say, "Go tell my friends, mm-hmm. go tell all those girls on the cheerleading team, and and that we're in the homecoming court with me. Go tell them that hell is a real place, mm-hmm. and that they don't want to go here. That's right. It's a place of sorrow, and that's such a such a sobering story. Um, it obviously touched my heart, and I hope it touches our listeners' heart to understand the gravity of what we're talking about. A very heavy topic here that hell is a real place. It is an unfortunate outcome for many who choose to uh, to uh, reject the the things of God and, and, and to choose not to live by uh, His code and accept the love of Jesus Christ. Um, it's a real place and a real outcome. That's right. You know, Matt, in verse 25 of Luke 16, Abraham said one word to the rich man in hell that probably caused him even greater torment than his physical suffering. He said, remember, for eternity, the memories of the lost people will function properly. They will remember all their injustices and sin. They will remember every instant when they rejected the conviction of the Holy Spirit. They will remember sermons they heard on earth and people that witnessed to them. One of the greatest horrors of hell has to be that of an undying memory of a misspent life. Mm. That's that's so true. So um, the last point that I want to make sure that our listeners get across, Dad, is as we get ready to close this this podcast is we, we've talked about uh, the characteristics of hell and, and what it is and, and what that uh, place is like. 
But um, for all of our listeners who are listening, if you get nothing else out of this podcast, please get this point. And then is that hell is escapable. Mm-hmm. It is a place that you don't have to go. Right. It is a place that you can avoid. Mm-hmm. And um, the the simple verse that I'm going to use here for this particular point is one that we all know. Mm-hmm. It's John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, mm-hmm. that whosoever believed in him, I'm going to change the words a little bit here, would be spared from eternal suffering, spared for eternal separation, spared from eternal sorrow and that they would be giving eternal life. Right. You know, over in Revelation 20, verse 15, this is what the Bible says, And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. Now, I've got a question today. Is your name in the book of life? You say, well, how in the world can I get my name in the book of life? You get your name in the book of life when you turn away from your sins. That's repentance. And you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did to make it possible for you to be forgiven and go to heaven when he died on the cross. That's what it means to accept him as the Savior, the one who paid your penalty for sin. And then you receive him as Lord, the one that you're going to serve and and live. And if you just pray and ask God to forgive you of your sins and commit your life to Jesus as the Lord of your life, I tell you what, if you really believe he died on the cross for you, then out of gratitude for what he did, you'd want to serve God and live for him every day of your life. There's a lot of people that, that say the words, but their heart's not in it. You've got to mean it. You've got to ask God to forgive you. He knows your heart and the intent of your heart. He knows if you're truly intent on turning from your sin to live for the Almighty God out of gratitude for what He did. So accept Jesus and what He did on the cross. Ask Him to forgive you of your sin right now and tell Him that you want Him to come and live in you through His Spirit to guide you and direct you. Add to that, you're going to live for Jesus for the rest of your life. You're going to serve Him out of gratitude for what He did because you believe He did that for you. He died for you and you owe it to Him to live for him and to serve him now today you could pray that simple prayer that salvation prayer just where you ask him to forgive you and he'll come into your life and let me tell you something if you do that then if you mean business with god i don't know when you're going to hear this podcast it might be on a thursday it might be on a friday saturday morning but i promise you this if you really believe uh, what you prayed and you really wanted jesus as the lord of your life one of the easiest things that you can do and the very next thing you're going to do is go to church a good church where the bible's preached don't go to a one where it's got reverend level uh, uh, preaching go to a good church where the bible's preached and the blood of jesus is talked about and go up there and talk to that pastor and tell him you made a decision to accept Jesus and ask him to come into your life and forgive your sins. If he's a godly pastor and a good man, he'll tell you what to do. And if he doesn't tell you what to do or it goes against the scripture, go find you another church and start living for God every day. So hell is a real place. Uh, we've covered that today. I want everyone to understand that that is a, a fact. It is a, a reality that there is a reality of hell. And um, But most importantly, hell is an escapable place. It's somewhere that we can avoid. God really doesn't want anyone to go to hell. Hell wasn't created for you or for me or uh, for any of us listening. Hell was created for uh, the devil himself and his evil dominion. And uh, But our God is a just God, and he's yes. got to deal 
uh, with with sin, and, and that is the way that uh, sin is going to be dealt with. And so, you know, I don't want anyone I know, uh, no one that, that I consider to be a friend, a family, and I, and uh, to go to hell. And I certainly don't want any of our listeners who are listening to go to hell. That's one of the reasons why we're doing this Bonfire Podcast is to get the word out um, that uh, time is running out. Uh, you know, one way or the other, you're going to draw your last breath, whether it's through uh, just the natural causes or God's going to split the sky wide open one day and he's going to come back uh, for his children and mm-hmm. and you're going to have to face uh, eternity at some point. And so we want to make sure that you're aware um, of, of the choices that are out there. Right. Uh, there's a clear choice. you got to choose a road. We, we've done the podcast out on the, the narrow way or the broad way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we said during that podcast, you can't keep a foot on both sides. you got to no. pick a way. That's right. And so we want to make sure that you're picking that narrow way that leads to eternal life. We want you to avoid um, this uh, pitiful, uh, sad state uh, that is called uh, hell and, and, and the eternal uh, suffering that is there. And so, um, Dad, as we get ready to close, if you would, please uh, pray us out of here to ask you if you pray for our listeners, uh, maybe those who uh, are listening today and unsure if they're saved, if you pray for them, that they would make a, a good, informed decision today okay. um, about uh, where they're going to spend the rest of their life. Right. I'm going to pray the sinner's prayer that I prayed when I was a 10-year-old boy. My preacher got down on his knees. I I, I wanted him to hurry up and finish preaching because uh, I don't even know if I heard what he said that day because I came to church that day to get saved. And I wanted him to get on with it, get the sermon over so I could get saved. And this is what I prayed, and I'm going to pray it. And if you would like to pray this sinner's prayer, believe in your heart. This is not a magic formula. If it doesn't come from your heart, it's not going to matter. But believe in your heart. Here's that prayer. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner, and I know that Jesus shed his blood and was beaten and nailed to a cross to take my punishment for sin. And thank you, Lord, that he died as my substitute. I accept the payment that Jesus made on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins because I don't deserve to go. I accept what he did to make it possible. So I accept him as my Savior. And Lord, I turn away from my sins right now out of gratitude for what you did for me. And I'm going to live for you for the rest of my life. I want you to be my Lord. And I want you to come and live in me through your Holy Spirit and take control of my life. And God, we pray this in Jesus' name. If you prayed this sinner's prayer and you meant it, now it's not a magic form. If you meant it, please uh, send us a message through Bonefire and let us know you made a decision for Jesus today. We'd love to know that uh that God is using this ministry. So please send us something to let us know God that 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 uh that God is using this ministry. Now Lord bless these that I believe will turn from their sin and accept Jesus. And Lord God help them to go to church, get baptized and live for you and send them out into a world to tell the lost about Jesus in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bonefire podcast. We encourage you to subscribe wherever you stream your podcast content. Also, be sure to rate us on iTunes and Facebook so that others will know about the podcast. If you have a question that you'd like to see us address on an episode, feel free to email us at bonefireministries at gmail.com.